You're listening to After the Encore, the music podcast that explores what happens after the music fades, what happens after the encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and this is Volume 2. This is The Voice, Track 2, with... From Team Adam, that is Tony Luca, everybody! You're listening to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I am here with the one and only, the incomparable, the always positive, Tony Luca. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Tony, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. No, um, I, I appreciate that. Always, always positive. Um, yeah. but no, I actually am. I'm doing quite well. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited to, to dig in cause you've got such an interesting journey and life, uh, you know, that I've just, I've been following on my own. And then of course, seeing you on the voice and then keeping up with your career since then. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff that we'll dig into all of that, uh, over the course of this episode. But first I want to start with a question. I like to ask the artists that come on the show, which is what does music mean to you? Uh, man, that's, that is a hell of a way to kick things off, man. I, I, I heard that in the, in the, in the Mike Lee one. And I yeah. Thought, wow. That's just a, that's, let's get right in the deep end, huh? Right. Um, no, but I appreciate that, man, because yeah, you can talk about all the circumstances that surround one's way into music or one's path or one's 15 minutes of fame within music. But, uh, but to actually get to like the marrow of it, you know, um, music to me was just, um, it's just been like being blessed with uh, a key to a, another language, really, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and and I <laughs> wonderfully so like it, it's it's uh, it's a language that you don't just have to, to speak and, and know how to be fluent in to appreciate it, obviously, you know, and that's why right. music is such a uh, a universal, it's the soundtrack of our lives kind of thing, you right. know, no matter where you go, w- where you're at, uh, there's, there's music there, and, and um, what a cool golden ticket, you know, to yeah. to like yeah. early on have been given this like, hey, well, here you go, buddy. You're going to be able to do this the rest of your life. Have fun. Uh, right. For me, it's just, it's just been this eternal blessing to to have this gift, you know, that I that I right. get to go to that party every day. Uh, that I that I, I get to go hang out with the cool kids and make music, man. <laughs> uh, it really is the, awesome. the, the gift of the gift of a lifetime. Yeah, it's so great. Now, this is a gift that you've been partaking in from an extremely early age, if I'm not mistaken. You started singing at what three, four years old? Is that correct? Like pretty early. Yeah, on? man. I'm. I'm yeah, I mean, as early as I <laughs> as I could, I guess. You know, as early as right? I was able to to to, to identify like talk, songs that yeah. my folks and family were listening to and just sing along and stuff. Yeah, man. It was just. I I I don't remember when it started. That's how long ago it was. Yeah, it was just kind of baked into your essence as far as growing up. And I mean, you're from Michigan anyway, so there's a lot of Motown influence there. You know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of really such an eclectic music history. But I think the fact that it's kind of baked in and interwoven into who you were growing up, it, it... 
it's it's not surprising that you turned out to be so uh, to have something to say about music is, is the way I like to say it, right? I feel like a lot of times, you know, people may be musically inclined, but I think it, it can be difficult to find the people who have something to say. And I love how much you have to say about music. And I think you can see that because it's been uh, the fabric of your life, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, since, since the beginning. I think that's so amazing. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. So now... Talk me through what grow because I know a lot of people know, of course, your perspective uh, or your experience with Mickey Mouse Club, and we're going to get into that. But walk me through what it was like growing up in Michigan, Pontiac. Is that correct? Uh, well, yeah, I was born in Pontiac, uh, and I lived just outside of that in a town called Waterford. But but I went. I was fortunately in uh, Clarkston School District, so I, I was, okay. I'm from Waterford technically. But when I say I'm from Clarkston, people identify Clarkston a little easier. I'd had a few sure. more uh, things that put it on the map than Waterford did. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of tend to say, oh, I'm from Clarkson, Michigan, and then Detroit, if people are just, oh, you say you're from Michigan. What part? Uh, well, outside of Detroit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I say I'm outside of Dallas, and people know exactly where that is. So, right. <laughs> but what was it like growing up uh, in your family, and, and was music something that was all of the family members were participating in it, were playing that. I know uh, you referenced Michael Lee episode. He talked about his dad playing Stevie Ray Vaughan and figuring that out on the guitar. And so he really, you know, associated that, uh, the musicality with his father growing up. What was that aspect like for you growing up? Yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, family reunions were, were just these epic all-star jam sessions, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and not all-star, like, you can look everybody up that was there, and everybody's got their sure. own Wikipedia page. It wasn't, like, celebrity stuff, but, I mean, right. I had, my mom was the 10th of 12 kids, and they all sang and or played something, and, uh, you know, to various degrees of success and viability and, and whatnot, but uh, professionalism, but, 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 man, when you get them all together, they were just, they were a bunch of hams you know they were just <laughs> trying to outshine each other all the time and and uh and yeah i just i grew up in it and around it and surrounding me i remember you know uh, one particular time when i was probably like eight or nine um uh, there was a family jam session going on and and uh i believe it was like my my grandpa his younger brother and then one of my uncles three of these guys uh playing this this you know concert grand baldwin piano in the living room and just hammering down playing some stride you know great yeah. great ragtime jazzy stuff and i was just i was under the piano like a little kid like under the kitchen table I was under the piano and just like listening to this thing vibrate down on me and then just like watching their feet you know kick the pedals and just like just hammering out the tempo right. and the beat and you know them bumping into each other and I just was like what is it was like being in the inside of a carousel at a carnival you know like this wow. is like yeah. this is insane <laughs> right. and I just I, I I I knew I wanted to be a part of it Around the same time, I I understood that I was a part of it. You know, it was like this mm. this, this in, internal like, oh, this is gonna be yeah. awesome. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, and right. then over the years, it just became more and more apparent to me what that actually meant. <laughs> right, right, definitely. So now walk me through 
now then growing up and so when you're under the piano what how old were you were you still single digits yeah like or? I, like i said yeah i was like uh you know eight or nine when you're still sure. young enough to, to get under there and then i'd be weird um, right you know and, <laughs> yeah. but, and it, but it also wasn't like much longer after that that i was uh that i was playing the damn thing you know I'm like right. okay forget sitting under it and listening to it i i want to i want to get on out there and play it so yeah, around definitely. the time i was like nine or ten i started learning how to do what they were doing and and uh, that, that that's where it was all different Right on. So now I know that, uh, you know, of course you got on Mickey Mouse Club and we'll talk about that, but was acting and singing and performing something that you were doing regularly before you even had the audition for that? Was that something you were doing uh, locally or in school? It's kind or? of funny how, yeah, that, it's kind of funny how the whole Mouse Club thing happened. Uh, it, it was, you know, I would simply say music got me through the door, you know, because sure. uh, that, that's what I was doing predominantly. I was okay. in a garage band kind of thing and all that stuff. All uh, right. But if we would back up a little further, you know, I didn't have any like theater background. I did a couple plays in school kind of thing, but I wasn't, sure. I wasn't a drama kid or a theater group thing. Uh, so the acting wasn't really ever a thing uh but i did enjoy getting up in front of people and um i actually got in i kind of dabbled uh again pre-adolescence so i was young enough to like have fun with it and young enough not to care or have any like serious trauma or drama or issues about it but i i dabbled in uh uh uh, runway modeling. <laughs> oh, wow. you know, get, getting up on the catwalk with like the you know uh, dressed up as you know in like bridal uh, preview fall preview sort of uh, fashion shows. You know, as like yeah. the little ring bear guy and a little tux and go out there and kind of ham it up uh, at the end of the catwalk. Some back to school fashion show stuff. And so, like I, I, I kind of just was unfazed by a crowd of people, and sure. and, I, and I picked up on how to like. Find direction and hit my mark and and move to music so that kind of came super naturally uh, although I wasn't much of a dancer and I kind of couldn't do much of that prior to Miles Club you know that, that I had to figure out trial by fire um, right. but the acting thing as well kind of came along the way um, and I just think being a natural ham from a family of natural <laughs> hams like right. that wasn't that wasn't too painful a sink or swim thing either but uh, knowing that I, I had the confidence of the music to sort of back it all up worst case scenario push come to shove I could sing my way out of out of a jam right. <laughs> right, and, right, right, and, right. Uh, and that 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 proved useful over the years yeah, I think it's uh, it's so interesting to be so essentially you are just you are totally comfortable in front of a crowd. You like the attention. You're a ham come from a family of hams and you've got this musicality that's getting you through the door. And then you're kind of figuring that out, the, the acting and everything else as you go along. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that something that I'm sure a lot of people have heard, but you were trying to audition for the musical Newsies when you got the job for Mickey Mouse Club, correct? Yeah, and that was the thing. It was that the the, the, the folks that had been kind of keeping an eye on me for these, these modeling gigs, they were like, well, there's this Disney thing you might want to go down and check out. And I was like, okay. And I went down and they weren't uh, they weren't expecting me. So I was like, thanks, but no, oh, that's always thanks good for, for nothing, y'all. <laughs> Appreciate the heads right. up. You know, I went down there and they, they right. weren't expecting me. Right. And they were like, no, well, you you must be here for the Mickey Mouse Club auditions. And I'm like, the hell I am. <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, right, I, right, right. I had had no idea that they had like you know um re 
rebranded like the whole it. franchise yeah. and done a whole 90s thing with you know uh varsity jackets and, right. and like you know snl for kids kind of thing i had no idea right and uh and so i said uh well okay i don't know shoot i don't i'm not here for that and my mom was like no man you should should go down and see if they're at least you're expecting here anyway you and see if there was a miscommunication because yeah we had to go downtown detroit for this so we're like an hour right. away from home right. and she said let's just go at least see what the discrepancy was or the miscommunication and apologize for whatever or 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 just you know see if they're expecting you and, and right. so we did and they were and i was like i don't want to go i don't want right. to do this let's just go home <laughs> right and my sister was the one who kind of like you know gave me the, the the slap across the face so to speak she's like come on don't be a jerk go in there and, and just just see what do you have to lose and i'm like man right. ah. and uh yeah sure enough that was that was kind of it that was the beginning of of the rest of my life <laughs> right this is your younger sister is that correct no it was my older sister older reading sister. me the riot act man and, and give me that guilt trip thing and i'm like man damn it why'd you have to come <laughs> right 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 that's awesome uh, so thank yeah. yeah so you got in there and and if i recall correctly you had what was it you had gum in your mouth and you refused to spit it out for the the test the screen test is that well, right I, the, that's the thing is i didn't i didn't it wasn't a refusal it was the way it was phrased you know like oh. said, do you want do you want to spit out your gum and i just said no i'm cool <laughs> you know like i'm i'm good <laughs> and, he, and he laughed yeah. he was like wow you are so green you have no idea what you're doing dude i'm like no what are you talking about <laughs> right <laughs> he's like well i need you to slate your name and where you're from i'm like Sl what just say your name and where you're from. oh my god this is horrible uh, yeah it was, it was a funny moment man one that me and uh the casting director matt casella still sort of joke about to this day man he he, he gets a big kick out of retelling that story <laughs> That's awesome. So then you got asked to go to another audition, correct? And this is the one where it was the like the the almost like boot camp, like for real hardcore audition. But you weren't aware of that. Am I re remembering that correctly? Yeah, you know, and I, I I think like looking back on it, you know, I I I I don't think I got an undeserved leg up in this whole thing. I, sure. I, I just because again, I stayed friends with Matt, the casting director over the years, right. and 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 we've talked about this in the past, you know, or, or, since you know, uh, as adults now, <laughs> and uh, and you know. Because when I was, you know, when I was there, he he said, "Listen, man, you know, you are exactly what we're looking for." Because I'm not gonna lie, you, I've, I've been, I've been, you know, scouring the country. You are exactly what we're looking for. Um, if you're into this thing, here's what's gonna happen. You know, like I'm gonna send this tape in to the people out in L.A., and they're gonna want you to come out there. You're gonna basically be invited to this boot camp thing. And uh, and it's basically sort of a training thing for what you'll be doing in Orlando, which is where the show shoots. Right. And I'm like, okay, sounds sounds like a plan. Let's do right. this, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. And and he kind of made it sound like it was just this is you got this. It's just tell me you want this and you got this. And that uh, was kind of the way he I put gotcha. it. But again, my greenness was like. Okay, you tell me I got this. I got this. Right, I'm just well, gonna walk away. You know, thinking right, that it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't until I got out there and realized, you know, and the other kids were kind of sweating it. I'm like, what are you guys sweating? And I was like, we got this. And they're right. like, no. Did they tell you you got this? And I'm like, 
mm, maybe not. Did I miss something? Like, I don't know. And, uh, and, and Matt said like, yeah, man, listen, you know, like you had all this confidence when you came into the room and you, you were really, uh, you know, you were bizarrely confident for someone who had never done this before. But I think as soon as you knew that what, what the stakes were or that this was like some kind of, uh, final callback thing that you, right. you might have got all kind of weird and flipped out about it and gone out to LA with like all the second guessing that you didn't need to bother with. Right. Uh, but he said, but he said, but by no means does that mean when you got to LA that the gig was yours. I mean, the competition was stiff. I mean, there was some amazing <laughs> right. talent like JC, Shazay from, you know, from Insync. Yeah. He was, we, we were going neck and neck, you know, we became best friends right, right there day one, you know, but, but he could have got the gig and I might not have, <laughs> you know, Dale right. got bolder. Like these are, right. I, mean, I mean, Sutton Foster for crying out loud. She was another Michigan girl who was at that same audition camp and she's going on to win Tony awards and she's yeah. like she's the bell of the ball on broadway and my god she didn't she didn't make the Mickey mouse club i mean that's just and right. that wasn't because the casting director didn't go to bat for her, but just so many variables and whatnot but um if that's any indication as to like the caliber of talent right. that we were up against that i just didn't need to know i was up against <laughs> and so right. and matt knew that and that's kind of how that went down but yeah definitely once i got out there pressure was on i'm in la it's go time and i had to show up for that final screen test you know right and so now you've been i mean a lot of people are obviously familiar with the reboot of mickey mouse club which i'll i'll say it was ahead of its time i think because then you had other shows like all that that came out on nickelodeon not too long after that and then there's some other shows that have been out on disney so yeah i would say uh mickey mouse club was definitely ahead of its time so that's awesome but most people obviously remember mickey mouse club for Brittany, justin jc christina Ryan Gosling, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he was on there as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then and then of course Tony Luca. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what was that like? Because you were on there for three season, three or four, three or four seasons. I'm trying to recall. Yeah, I was on there for the show's four final seasons. It was uh, the show was That's on right, for four. seven seasons. I was on for the last four seasons. Uh, That's right. And the and again the people that joined my cast. Uh, the or joined the cast the same season as me were uh, Carrie Russell, Dale Godbold, Carrie Russell, that's right, R Rona Bennett, one of the lead singers of In Vogue now. Right. Uh, she was in she was in that crop. JC, me, and a and a good handful of others that were just you know incredible talents uh, jumped on the cast on season four. We were on four, five, six, and seven. It's time to hang with Tony. Hey, what's up? What's up? I think it's about time for a little tour of my bedroom. Come on, let's get started, shall we? My favorite subject in school would be art. But I like to be creative with my art. Gosh, that's music is a, a tough subject for me because I have so many favorites. Brian Adams, Lenny Kravitz, of course, and Harry Connick Jr. My dad made me these guitars. I wanted them to paint like a crowd so that I could like sing to the crowd. Great. My favorite actress. Only they knew. Meg Ryan. Good choice. My favorite actor. Give me a break. Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. To go on one day with one person. Uh, but by season seven, uh, or by season six, I was seventeen. Carrie right. was seventeen. Dale was almost eighteen
you know, we were we were getting up there in high school, and um, and then they bring on this whole new cast of. You know, twelve-year-old Christina, eleven and right. a half-year-old Brittany, you know, twelve-year-old right. Justin Timberlake and <laughs> Gosling. I mean, these kids at that age, man, you know, twelve to seventeen—that's a huge that's a disparity. Broad range. Yeah. And it was like it was like the big kids and the little kids, and right. they were wildly—they were wildly talented, but they were definitely like. You know, on SNL, they've got the featured cast. Right. <laughs> they've got the, you know, yeah, and the regulars. And look, looking yeah. back, that's it. That kind of seemed how uh, felt. They were always playing our kid siblings and all the skits and stuff. But right. I mean, they did a great job of of mixing it up and and having us all do music numbers together, which was pretty awesome. Because like when I look back on all that time, you know, I did. I had the pleasure of going into the dance trailer to work on dance combinations with Britney Spears, and she right. was super rad to work with. Right. And right. always always showing me how to do dance moves better than I was doing them. And, and Christina, you know, going into the studio and singing with her and doing background vocals together and and being a big brother kind of figure to her and, and Gosling and Timberlake. I mean, these, there's obviously plenty of pictures of all that stuff backstage right. where we were, we were really just a bunch of kids in high school and junior high hanging out together. Um, and it was, uh, it was a cool thing. But all that to say... That yeah, ironically, as far as the conversation and the way it tends to get framed is through the lens of those guys. But again, they were only on it for the right. last two seasons, and right. and I was there for the last four. So it, it, right. was different. it meant a whole lot more to me. I don't say more to me. It was just a different experience for me yeah. and my my crew than than uh, than theirs. You know. Well, I think also you talk about the fact that in season seven, year 17, you essentially went, I mean, you grew up there, right? So you're like going, that's four years. It's essentially like four years of high school that you're there at, yeah. the, at the Mickey Mouse Club or so to speak. And so, I mean, it is like that. It means a lot when you go through that amount of time and in that period of time, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely my high school experience. I, I, I enrolled, you know, I got in there in ninth grade and I, right. I graduated high school there, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as we're starting to transition now, I know that once the Mickey Mouse Club ended, uh, you did some additional acting adventures as well, uh, also along the lines, uh, co-starring with Carrie Russell as well. Talk me through mm-hmm. the shows uh, that you were in after that, and then it leading into your solo music career, where I know that you opened for NSYNC for a little bit and toured with a couple of other bands as well. So let's kind of navigate the now you're acting and also playing music, and then you're about to go into music full time. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, after Mouse Club, I moved out to to L.A. to kind of pursue both acting <clears throat> and music to see right. what might pan out first, um, and not really knowing what, uh, not really having any true artistic identity, just sure. just knowing that I had been a career professional for the last four years, working my butt off, and had the had the drive, had the confidence, had the mojo, and had the connections. At that point, you know, um, through through Carrie and and a, a few of us that had been kind of venturing out to L.A. on the off season a lot of the crew that was on the show was from LA. So they would come out and we would, uh, we would get to know a little bit more about LA and how Hollywood works and all that stuff. And so, um, 
I, I made I had no no apprehension or reservations about going out to L.A. after high school. I went out there and um, tried to see what would would pan out first, you know. Um, and no surprise, I had a, a, you know theatrical representation, a manager, an agent, and uh, and I started to get commercial work, and then right away kind of got into some some acting roles that 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 panned out before the music thing ever did. Uh, again, not having a whole music. Uh, identity identity yet you know as an artist I didn't have a ton of tunes I wasn't like getting after it as a songwriter I I hadn't like really started a live show thing yet I just knew that I I could do this if somehow it would pan out I mean I was kind of in the same boat as as JC and Justin in in that had the right opportunity come along where it made sense to go jump on board with a a prefab boy band thing I I, might have done it sure um you know, but but by the time that they had started to put together the NSYNC thing, I was already a record and a half into my career, and I remember sure. talking to J- JC about it, uh, you know, about him going down to Orlando to go explore this whole thing, and I just remember thinking, like, that's cool, man, if that's your thing, you know? <laughs> Good luck. Uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, I was doing the acting thing for a while, and, uh, and you know... Malibu Shores, um, Malibu Shores. Malibu Shores, yeah, yes. was was the, the the TV show that I got, uh, that was an Aaron Spelling right. uh, on the heels of Nine Hundred Two and Zero Melrose Place. Um, it was an NBC show, uh, but like, <laughs> I mean, come to find out, I think years later that that we found out that that the show was basically a, a a favor owed to spelling from the heads of NBC. Like they just gotcha. kind of gave him a bone <laughs> for pilot, uh, a right. mid season replacement show. Like, thanks for all the great work. Here's a show. Uh, it's a bunch of teens, Romeo, Juliet. We'll right. give you a Saturday night at eight o'clock as a time slot. Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, re- oh, really? Really? <laughs> Uh, kiss of death right from right. the jump and, and thank God because you know I'd probably still be in therapy had that thing been long <laughs> you know, uh, had it had legs you know um, but it was short lived right. so uh, that was good uh, so I got out alive fairly unscathed <laughs> um, but while I was working on that you know I had heard about uh, some stories about uh, was learning about the ism that is like the, the double standard of actors and musicians in that you can forge a viable, credible career as a music artist and then go dabble in acting, but the converse is not true. You know, you can't mm. go get on television and film and become a, a famous actor and then have a credible music career. There right. are a few exceptions. And, and right. uh, you know, besides like the Will Smiths and the J-Lo's who have like right. this weird sort of gray area kind of thing, right. by and large, there are way more, um, you know, Kevin Bacon's, uh, Kevin Costner, Bruce Willis, Billy Bob right. Thornton, these guys that are all like, you know, decent musicians and definitely have the love and the passion and know what good is and get out there and play shows and are entertainers at the heart, but just never got a fair shake at it because people people uh, knew of them as characters portrayer you know portrayal right. artists you know right. so if they're going to get up there and sing music it's well 
it's hard not to try to hard not yeah. to read it as another character that they're playing. You can't you won't buy it as like a true expression of who they are. Right. Uh, whereas like the Harry Connick Juniors, Whitney Houston's, the you know people that 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 were awesome music artists and then went ahead and and had some fun as actors. You know they 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 always had the music to get back to. So that kind of you know had me scratching my head, going like, well, shit, I don't want that to happen. You right. know, I don't want. I would hate for that to happen. I I want to be known for my music, and I want that to be the jam. I want that to be what I do, uh, and what I'm known for. So I don't get caught in that 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 in between. So I realized I was going to have to probably make some some tough decisions and choices. And after the 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 spelling thing went by the wayside and was canceled, and uh, some of the acting work I had done kind of disappeared, dried up, and I was next thing you know like a few months without work, which was <laughs> in hindsight. Right no big deal most people go right. like many months sometimes years without work right. but for me after having been working for full time for the last four years five years now I it was like panic set in and I gotta figure something out and I literally was driven to pick up the guitar for a a a, a, a more uh, um instant gratification kind of thing I, if I pick up this guitar and write something I'll have something to show for it whereas if I uh, keep auditioning yeah. and getting all this rejection I'll have nothing but <laughs> rejection right. I gotta get out of here right yeah, yeah. no it's so true and so uh, Malibu Shores that started in 95 and that was uh, was that you said it was mid-season replacement so I'm trying to do the timeline between you're done with Malibu Shores in 95 and your solo album So Satisfied releases in 97 so what was well? No, the 90, 95 was when um, uh, ninety five was when it, we were cast on it in the fall. Mm. We shot oh, through the okay. holiday. Gotcha. We shot through the holidays and into ninety six. I don't think it debuted mm. okay. until like February or March of. Uh, it was like February of ninety six. Got it. That's okay, the mid, no. that's the season that it was a mid season replacement show for. Okay. So yeah, I wrote out ninety six doing some um, you know uh, indie films. And uh, you know, like a movie of the week for NBC, and and really just trying to see what was left of all this. Started writing songs, you know, went through a, a, a big old breakup with Carrie, and you know, started learning how to write songs about it, and right. uh, and, and and all those songs kind of went on to become you know fodder for the the first album, really, which I which I began in earnest uh, in in '97. I started really writing songs for that album in '97. Made that record in, in the summer of '97, uh, and and got it out, uh, so to speak, by uh, right. November of '97 was when my first record came out. Right. Yeah, you were with Carrie Russell for on and off for multiple years. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, we were, you know, we were together as kids on Mouse Club for sure. the last last couple of years of that. Um, and then after Mouse Club, I moved out to L.A. We lived together for a little while. We right. we got cast cast to play opposite each other on Malibu Shores, and then during right. the production, we broke up. And, right, right. Uh, which is bizarre as hell. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, about a year or so went by of us trying to, 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 to be apart and um, eventually wound up back in love together and uh, uh, we moved back in together and that's when she got Felicity and so I was oh, there yeah. through all of that and, and really kind of helped her navigate the, the waters of being the it girl you know sure. which is uh, really uncomfortable uncharted territory for her and sure. and, and uh, you know it's, it's an exciting time but I, I honestly I 
there's so much of it that I, I, you know, you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, you know, it's right. like, Oh God, this is it's too tough. much. This, this is, yeah. it's really weird really quickly. And, uh, you know, she, I think she, she made it through with, with flying colors in the end cause she's still right. at it and she has a really viable, credible career. But, uh, but yeah. Um, but then, yeah, she, you know, she just was super busy with the show and, and I was trying to really get the music thing together and get my career off the ground. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're someone's partner going through all, all that, you, you tend to set a lot of your stuff on, on, on the sidelines yeah. or on the back burner and, and, it, right. and, and you focus on like the here and now and, and, right. you know, every day in the life of the it girl is just like, like drinking from a fire hose, you know, you, right. you really need, you really need to kind of like all hands on deck most days. And, right. and we both knew that that wasn't, that wasn't best for either of us in terms sure. of us trying to be a romantic couple while, while surviving right. that together. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of yeah. broke up, I guess, for the last time then. And, <laughs> and, uh, right. and that was it. We, we went on to just, yeah. you know, maintain a, a friendship over the years that's that has sustained to this day that's very awesome i think it's so interesting how we as individuals will link up with somebody when we're younger out of either uh conveniency being together on a show like that or just you know you get people that get together because they're in high school together and and so you have these connections with these individuals romant romantically in these in, in um, very formative years and then you kind of look back and it, 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 can, it can be difficult for a lot of people to look back when it's all said and done with a healthy perspective, you know, and to your point, you said a lot of people will tend to put their own stuff on hold, that kind of stuff. And I, I, I think it's really, it's really great how you're able to look back and appreciate what it was, appreciate what you were able to bring to it and what it taught you uh, as a individual growing up. And then you were able to kind of put it aside and, you know, as Marie Kondo said, thank it for its time and then move on. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I think that's, the, that's so awesome because you don't, you don't often hear that. Right. I think it, and that, especially in Hollywood and music and a lot of situations. And so, being able to hear that story uh, is really meaningful, I think, for a lot of people, for sure. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I look back on it as such. You know, I really do. And, and it is. It's sort of like one of these quiet background Hollywood success stories, you know, that you, you're right. You don't hear enough of those, I guess. Right. So now talk me through your uh, your solo career, right? So you've got So Satisfied out in 97, and you have several studio albums that release uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, so you've got Shotgun in 2004, Canyon Songs in 2006, Come Around Again in 2008, Rendezvous with the Angels 2010, uh, TFD1, <laughs> When I Stop Running in 2011, Solo 2011. I mean, you've got a lot, and you're just pounding the pavement with getting these songs. And I know that there's a lot of stories in between every single album, but I want you to kind of pick, uh, pick out for me what stands out the most to you as you're going through this journey of self-discovery as an artist, as a musician, really feeling your own groove, carving out your space. And then of course, you know, we touched on you, you toured with several, you know, bands open for NSYNC as well, but, but really pick out for me some of the more uh, specific stories of those albums that really stand out for you. Uh, yeah, man, you know, there's nothing, <clears throat> nothing quite as magical as the first album. And, sure. 
you know, I, I really look back on that as having been one of those times where just, man, you know, because I was old enough to know that, to know that someday I'm going to look back on this, <laughs> you know, one of those, those those kinds of things. And it had done enough at that point, you know, with the whole Mouse Club thing and making records with, with the Mickey Mouse Club and all that. But here I was in the studio spending my own money recording my own songs as a producer of my own project. Like, wow, I had full control of the reins and it was really an exciting time and it was it took a lot of uh courage that i i didn't quite realize i had but i clearly must have to to, to get to that threshold uh right. it required a lot of creative uh you know uh um just yeah initiative and take charge you know can do attitude like let's do this you know right. and just fearlessness to the whole to the whole experience that was pretty special and i listened back to that record and it's just wrought with vulnerability <laughs> and you know sophomore like right. <laughs> sentiments and sappy ass woe is me strum 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 <laughs> and 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 lofty jazz overtures and overtones and it's just it's nuts man it was uh really ambitious beautifully just innocently ambitious um but after that, you know, it just became, yeah, like you said, kind of like navigating the waters through opportunities and and feeling like I was at the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time. Just could never really figure that out. Um, I think probably one of the, the biggest aha, clear, you know, uh, epiphanies that I had over the years um, has, has come sort of in slow um it's been parsed out over a lot of years uh, with me, and, and that was the realization that, like, people ask me all the time, you know, what kind of advice would you give to young artists getting started in the business? And and I I think about what advice not so much worked for me because I didn't get a ton of it. I was, you know, I shot out of the gate and was off to the races, and everyone kind of just got out of the way for us mouse right. club kids, you know, like well, right. who's gonna who's gonna try to stop that and, and right. you know talk sense into them? You're never gonna do it, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I think about advice that I wasn't given that had I been given, I might I might have saved myself a lot of grief and uh, it might be somewhere entirely different today, obviously. Um, and, and, and that advice, it, it kind of transcends, um, all of your artistic choices as a young artist. But for me specifically, it, it really resonated with regards to the making of my records. And that was, um, I, the advice would be find a source of accountability. And, and, and by that, I mean, uh, minimize the yes men in your, in your situation, find people that you respect admire and appreciate the opinion of someone that you know has nothing but your best interest in mind not someone who's trying to manipulate you or has any other ill motives about why they might tell you one thing and mean something else none of that shit like find someone a mentor type person that you really do appreciate who has no reason under the sun to not give it to you straight um and isn't going to do it just to do it and knock you down a few pegs, but like seriously, some constructive criticism that is going to keep you from wasting your time on some nonsense, you know, <laughs> lost in the weeds, kind of like monocular, you know, dear diary stuff when, um, you know, all you might need is just to pivot a little bit to a, a clearer sense of, 
of communicating what it is you're trying to say, how to simplify it, how to weed out right. all the noise, you know, get out of your own head and think about what people want to hear, that kind of right. stuff. Um, I didn't do that until way later, like a good handful of records into my career. Yeah. And I thought, you know, back then it was because I didn't need that or, you know, like I knew what my stuff should sound like and I knew what was best and I knew what was cool and, you right. know, it was all arrogant and cocky and egocentric, right. you know. Um, but as I got older, you know, I realized like that was just pure insecurity, you know, sheer insecurity where I didn't want anyone to tell me how bad my shit sucked not sure. just that it sucked but like how bad it sucked you know right yeah and and, and call me into you know call, call me to question the compositions and the songs and the lyrics and like that ain't cool dude what do you, right you know, what do you mean i'm pouring, pouring my heart out you know and and so i i um you know i listen back to my first few records and i'm like man if i just found someone to help me filter out this stuff someone who wasn't afraid to tell it to me straight and spare me the hassle like these records could have been a little little better <laughs> like, right. i probably could have tapped into something a little more viable much sooner and hadn't spent so many records in years like trying to find a sound um you know so i i steered clear of um working with producers like other producers yeah. i i produced and or co-produced all of my first bunch of records um and then later on, realized that that pick a lane, and the, my lane would be the writing of songs and trusting that the songs I write are good, and that if right. they're not great, so I'm I'm going to work with someone who's going to help me make them great. That's right. the process. That's the process of making records. We all write great songs, and your parents will tell you all your songs are great. Right. You know, but like you find the right producer who says that's a good song. Let's make it great. And you gotta not take that as a blow to your ego, but like as a as a sign of encouragement and a right. sign that like, hey, that guy thinks you're good. Start there. He could think you're shit, but he actually right. thinks you're good. And his job, his purpose, his job description is to help you be great. Yeah. Let him do his job. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And so so that takes a minute to understand for artists that are full of piss and vinegar and all the arrogance in the world because like that it takes that kind of courage to get out of the you know, out of the gate, but but you gotta at some point like okay, I, I'm not everything. I'm not gonna. Right. Be, I can't do everything. I, there, it's a collaborative process for just that reason, you know. Right. And uh, that's an important thing. And that, like, uh, getting back to your, your question, like that kind of kicked in about five or six albums in, you know, right. and and some 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 real talk over some really good tequila with a good friend, you know, to point right. these things out to me. Right. <laughs> you know? It's always helpful. All right. You know. Well, you are listening to After the Encore. We'll be right back with more Tony Luca after this. How long did you say you love me? Forever take too long. If I held my breath, you'd be the death of me. You told me. Welcome back to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I'm here with Tony Luca. And now, Tony, this is The Voice. 
I'm not. Yeah. The, I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the. Uh, the. This is the voice. I can't do that. But uh, you know, right? But before, you know, we, like in, in in the era of like devoid of jingles, how right. funny that a show like The Voice would like have one of the the one and only sustaining jingles of the last right. ten, twenty years. This <laughs> is the voice. All right. Oh man, good times. Good times. Well, before we even get there, I want to get your state of mind before you were even on the show. So, the last album you had released before you were on the show was 2011's Under the Influence. So, walk me through mm-hmm. what it was like having just released that, and then where were you? So, you released that album. The Voice season one had come out in spring 2011. Javier Colon had won, and The Voice was still relatively new. So, so walk me through your perspective having just released that and then were you even aware of the show before you were on it? What was that perspective? Yeah, man, I was out, uh, touring, um, that year and, uh, and my drummer, uh, Mick Captiville, he, he was, uh, and I hate saying my drummer. He's not my drummer. No, I know. I was lucky enough to have, have him in my band. Sure. I, I always catch myself when I say that because I, I hate hearing it and I hate saying it. It's just it, it's it, easiest that way, but sure. like, he's a great drummer. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of playing with him. But he was, uh, he was all about it, man. He was like telling me, check out this show now. Now, here's the deal. I'm like, it's just what is this? Another chintzy game show, American Idol ripoff. Right, right. Kind of, but not really. And he walked me through all the differences and explained to me how it works and the red you know, button and all this. Right. Stuff. I'm like, that's kind of cool, I guess. Eh, whatever. And then we're watching, you know, we were, I remember, we remember uh, I remember we were on tour one night and had a night off and it was on and we're watching it. I'm sitting there and I'm really just trying to take it in. Like, right. Okay, if I'm at home and I'm watching this, is this must-see TV? Sure. Is this, some BS is this really a cool way to showcase new talent right is this all about the coaches what is this right uh, and I'm watching it and I realized like Christine Aguilera is one of the coaches and I'm like you gotta be kidding me. wow oh man you know like, yeah 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 Ah, uh, then the curiosity <laughs> sets in and he's like dude you should do this and I'm like are you crazy no, thank you. You know, and I just was like, uh-uh, no way. That would just be weird, you know. And he's like, yeah, but you could do it. I'm like, I, I, you know, there's, there's something that has to be a disqualifier for me. And they're like, no, dude. Like, they're 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 into taking people that have had success in the past. Like, you right. know, it's, you don't have to be a no-name to do this. And uh, not that I had a ton of success, but right, I but really I saying, yeah. had disqualified myself from Idol years ago, you know. And, right. Um, if for no other reason that I was just too old, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I started thinking like, okay, well, I could do the voice if I wanted to. That there are no hurdles or disqualifiers there. Damn, I don't know, man. And I just kind of forgot about it. Uh, the tour kind of came and went, and then, um, in fact, I moved my family to. Uh, we left L.A. that year. Um, my family and I we moved. Back to Michigan, where <clears throat> we were trying to get to Nashville eventually, but uh, we weren't quite ready to move here. Didn't have our financial ducks in a row, but we knew we wanted to get out of L.A. My folks were like, hey, come back to Michigan. So uh, we went and stayed with them for what was going to be a year just to kind of like hang out, take some time off, pay off some bills, sure, uh, get some time with the grandparents kind of thing. And uh, and then literally within like two weeks of me being back in in uh, in Michigan, I got the call from my manager saying, "Hey, 
they called from the voice do you want to do that you want to audition for this i'm like you got to be kidding me they, they called us like yeah they 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 want to know if you want to come in i'm like well that's got to be a sign of kind of cool yeah. I, I don't know and you'd already man. been hearing about it you'd already this? been thinking about it yeah yeah so they said listen here's what's up uh the closest audition to you in michigan would be in chicago and it was and here's the date and I looked at my calendar, and it was the date after. <laughs> it was the day after a show I had scheduled in Chicago. <laughs> I would, I would literally have had to drive right past the studios where they were auditioning to get home from that gig. And I was like, "Well, maybe that's just the universe being convenient." Right. Maybe I should do this. <laughs> right. 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 The, you know what? Let's just scratch the itch and see if, because here and I said I've said this in the past as well. You know, like imagine your whole life. You know, um, you've got you've got this. You're a singer, and people are like, "Man, I love your voice. You got such a great voice. Oh, your voice. Oh, your voice. You, you just really love your voice. Oh, I dig your voice. Your voice. Your voice. Your voice." And all of a sudden, there comes this TV show called The Voice. Right. <laughs> and you're like. You're like is that me? Right. Do I do right. I have a voice? Do I have the voice? Right. Am I the voice? Right. Do I just have a <laughs> voice or the yeah. voice? Yeah. I mean, people have been telling me a long time I got a pretty good voice. Right. I have the voice. Right. right. <laughs> and so I would say curiosity got the best of me, man, for right. sure. Okay. And I said, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go. And uh and I went in to, to do this thing and I and I auditioned in Chicago, went in there and uh you know, the, turned to the, the, the necessary heads right. uh, uh, upon doing my stuff. And they had me stick around for a little bit, and they said, so if uh, if you did this, who, what coach would you want to oh, right. work with? And I said, and I was like, same same coaches as the first season? And they're like, yeah, same coaches. Well, uh, I probably want to work with Adam, but Blake could be fun. I don't really know much about CeeLo, but he seems interesting. I said, eh, she probably mentioned that I... I know Christina <laughs> and they were like what do you mean I was like well I worked with her on the Mickey Mouse Club and it was like you could just see the lights go off <laughs> right. ding 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 they right. were like oh we got one we got a live one <laughs> right 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 <laughs> the big fish of Chicago right. comes in strong at number 20 yeah whatever right. like, oh man and, and I think that floodgate opened wide and uh, and the producers you know they they didn't they spared no uh, opportunity to to try and like make that a thing a story and right they they went with it and and i'm not saying i was naive to think that it wasn't going to be all right. about that because obviously it, it it was and it became even more about that as the show went on sadly and not in the most favorable way for anybody right um but uh but it was definitely like okay that's that's what i get for being curious <laughs> <laughs> But so when you're in Chicago, this is just the producer audition, correct? So you're there in front of all the producers, and you're just trying to show off your skill, get past the necessary first audition so that way you can eventually get to the show. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's the casting director. And, casting director. And you, you think like, you're like, casting director, it's a TV show. Well, it's a TV show, but they're casting, you know, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, you are a contestant, but as a contestant on a reality TV show, you are an aspiring uh, cast member. You know they, right. they're casting; they hire a casting company to to do that. So there's a couple of um, of producer types. 
there was, you know, the casting director. They also had um, one of the, the vocal coaches who works on the show, uh, worked on the show. He was there. So he's kind of okay. got like the, he can he can spot the technical kids, the kids sure. that like, you know, maybe were a little nervous, but he heard, he, he heard something in there that he might be able to tell the, the casting director, like, I might take a closer look at this guy because he's got real chops and sure. I heard him warming up whatever blah 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 uh, so it was a nice nice little blend of, of the, the you know the necessary folks to, to, to be a good sounding board for who might make a good contestant right now I know that having spoken with uh, Michael Lee as we mentioned earlier um, and of course he was on more recently uh, you know uh, in 2018 as opposed to 2012 uh, so it's been a little it's been a minute between <laughs> between all seasons but was it the same in that once you made it past the that initial uh, first interview you were then brought to LA for additional rounds of, of auditions before the show is that how they kind of weed out people before they bring them on how did that work for you yeah we I did Chicago and then uh, a number of weeks went by maybe like a month and a half even you know and again that was before they started hopscotching seasons where they were doing two a right. year back then it was like they were just still One getting year. their heads around having the biggest budget in reality TV right. after season one NBC gave them the, the you know the castle right. um, and they had they had to figure out how to like grow their production calendar and how to make it as efficient as they could but they were just still trying to bang out a big show that they could premiere at the end of uh, the Super Bowl that coming year because NBC had the broadcast of the Super Bowl and they were going to capitalize on it with the voice so it was just it was a big all the all eyes were on it all you know all the pressure was there um and so yeah they it was a few weeks six or so weeks and then I, I flew out to LA for a uh for a callback, yeah, sure. like they did, they did executive callbacks, and you know you had to go out there and um, and sing for yeah the the executives. Carson Daly was there, you know, and and that was a little bizarre because <laughs> uh, I knew I knew Carson from having played on his house band of his, <laughs> of his late night show right. for a few years, yeah, and, uh, and it was it was awkward and cool, and he, <laughs> you know. Uh, he thanked me for coming and doing it. It's like, what do you mean, thank you, uh, for coming out here to audition for this? Like, like this is beneath me or something? Right, right. You know, like, you know, and you you realize, like, no, I mean, here they are, however many seasons into the show, and right. they're still like trying to get, they're still trying to get people to come audition for this thing. Yeah. And it's there's plenty of people that are willing to do it, but like, you know, people like myself and 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 Jermaine Paul and yep. and Chris Mann, and that's that second season was pretty much chock full of of you know. Uh, guys and girls like just like me that were all like sitting out the American Idol thing for years, right? Right, <laughs> and being like, "Wait a minute, this voice thing might be my chance." Right, so let's get in right. there. And so it was talent was crazy on that, yeah. that season and season three as well. Right. Same thing. Those first few seasons, it was like you know a, a lot of perennial all-star yeah. indie yeah. <laughs> artists that had been really getting after it finally may have had a credible opportunity to come out and, and shine. Um, and then uh, I think from that point on, once they went to two seasons a year, it just it kind of changed. The, the, the fabric of the show changed, certainly after season two. Right. Um, it, it, it definitely changed, and maybe we can get into that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, it it was it was interesting, you know, going out there for for the executive callbacks. Um, and, you know, but it, it, as well, when you go out for the executive callbacks, it's a lot of uh, 
it's, it's, it's a lot more than just singing songs, man. Right. It's, it's like, you know, you're taking stress tests and you're having, you know, psychological evaluations and you're right. meeting with, you know, the lawyers and it's like, holy cow, what the hell happened? Right. I thought I was just auditioning for a singing show. Right. Uh, and now you now you want a background check. Right. Damn it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was wild, you know, it was quite a gauntlet. And yeah. They, you know, they put you up in a hotel the whole time and you're kind of sequestered for a minute in the world and bizarre as hell. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and but then after that, yeah, same thing. It was like uh, another handful of weeks before they said, hey, you made it to, to, to Blinds and we're bringing you out here for that. And then you go back out and it's the same thing. It's yeah. a whole other production grid of wardrobe fittings and vocal lessons and rehearsing with the band and sound checking on the stage. And it's just like one thing after another, tons of downtime and hanging out and meeting people from all across the country yeah. and, you know, comparing notes and trying to like see how you size up against people. And it just, it gets weird. Right. <laughs> right. And what was that situation like for you? And we're going to get into your specific uh, blind audition as well, but having come from this this musical background growing up and then and then also having this solo career and now coming on to the voice what was that even like for you it's like um it's like your how do i want to say this it's it's like you you've had your career for so many years and now you're you're kind of not i want to say starting over but now you're having professional people saying working with you working with your voice working with your look working with your whole package um that you may not have had before. So what was that even like to have to go kind of from that nothing to that, so to speak? No, man, it was, it was, it was, it was very much like Miles Club, honestly. Sure. So okay. All that was kind of entirely familiar, entirely familiar terrain okay. for me. And it was like, it was like, getting back on a horse you know like, sure. oh i remember this yeah i, I got this okay. and, and 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 in that regard it was you know obviously super helpful because it just it was just it came as natural and, and normal as anything else i had ever done um <clears throat> as well like I, I you know i i realized identified that i was one of the older people there right. um you know not not you know like in the top 80 percentile <laughs> you know like i was yeah i was one of the older guys there right. and and having had all that experience of like you know, when we got to Mouse Club and we were all young, bumping into each other and trying to outstyle each other by the pool at the apartment <laughs> complex, you know, right. like instead of just getting in our swimsuits and enjoying the day. Right. Like I saw those kids out there doing that, yeah. just trying to like, you know, stack up next to each other and and outshine each other and, you know, and, and walk around all cool and whatnot. And, and, and I was, you know, like I looked at my schedule. I looked at the my downtime. I got in the shape of my life, man. Right. I was in the gym. I, like, I was running miles a day. I was basically cross-training in the gym. Um, I was eating really good. Right. I was getting tons of sleep because I was away from my wife and kids. <laughs> right, and, right, right. And, I mean, and I had nothing else to do, nowhere else to go, no trouble to get into. Right. It was great. That it was really profoundly wonderful um and and uh and, and and but only someone in my shoes who right. i've been there done all that hang time camaraderie let's get to know each other trade numbers and and text each other like all that stuff. i've right. been there you know like yeah. this was just about like getting my head in the game and so you know i definitely had <clears throat> the, the jedi mindset going into the whole competition right. because i you know what else was i going to do with my time right it was it was cool in that regard well speaking of trouble that was your blind audition song so hey <laughs> <laughs> so let's walk through the decision to even choose trouble which is one of my favorite songs ever it's amazing i love your rendition of it and and let's just take the 
the decision to to choose trouble and then what um uh, what was your thought process behind that? And then, of course, you had an amazing blind audition where all four coaches turned around as well. So what was that surreal experience like for you being on that stage? Yeah, man. I mean, the song selection was pretty easy. Sure. I, I had been in the indie woods, you know, like away from the pop radio dial, and my kids weren't quite into that yet. I was still raising my kids on the... The Beatles and, you know, <laughs> right. like the classics and Otis Redding and stuff. And uh, and so I, they weren't hip to the Taylor Swifts and Adele and all that, like right. none of that stuff. So I hadn't really listened to Top 40 Modern Radio in a lot of years. And so when they give you the songs to pick from um, to do your blunt audition, and I don't want to give too much away about sure. the, the mechanics of the show, but they give you a lot of songs and they tell you to pick... Uh, they give you like 165 songs right. they tell you to pick 75 and then numbered them in order from which you would most like to perform them to the one you'd least like to perform and I'm looking at this list and I don't recognize 75 songs <laughs> on this list <laughs> like shoot what am I going right, to right, I start right. picking ones I'm, I'm remotely familiar with and there was some classic rock on there so I picked all those but Trouble was on there and I was like what <laughs> how did this get there <laughs> you know yeah. so I like I circled it. I like highlighted it. I grabbed a Sharpie, right. red Sharpie and like a couple of arrows to it. Like that's it. Right. In fact, I almost just sent it back with just that song. Right. Picked and like, that's what I'm singing. Mike drop. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think fortunately they, they, they picked up on that and they were like, okay. Uh, as well, uh, side note, my, the song I've sang, the first song I sang at my audition in Chicago was Jolene by Ray LaMontagne, ah. which is another song off of that album, Trouble. Yes, it's and, an amazing rendition. And, uh, and I, I sing that song as my sound check 99% of the shows that I play. Lately my hands, they don't feel like mine. My eyes been stung with dust and blind. Held you in my arms one time Lost you just the same Jolene I ain't about to go straight It's too late I found myself face down in the ditch Oozing my hair Blood on my lips, a picture of you holding a picture of me in the pocket of my blue jeans. I still don't know what love means. Still don't know what love means. I sound check with that song. I just I play at least the first half of it, if not the whole song. Yeah. But I play that song every night. I know it like the back of my hand, so I just, of course, that's right. what I played. I wouldn't be nervous for one second to play that song in an audition. Yeah. And so I think they heard me do that kind of thing, literally that artist, and they said that's probably his best foot forward. Let's let's give him that song. I as well was like one of the only singer-songwriters in the competition that year that was, you know, strumming the guitar and, and singing at my audition, and they were like, okay. Um, that would be a good fit. So I was glad to get that because, you know, as a singer-songwriter carrying the torch of that, you know, and representing Ray LaMontagne was, was pretty cool to me in terms of, like, credibility, right. <laughs> you know. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, that was cool, man. I mean, as far as the blind audition goes, I've never been, nor will I ever be, as nervous as I was for that damn blind audition. <laughs> and I don't, I just don't get nervous. I never have. <laughs> it's never been a thing. But for some reason, man, after you go through that gauntlet of the pre-production on that show, <clears throat> and they run you through like all, all this stuff, and <clears throat> you really start to get in your head about this whole notion, like, well, hell, if I don't turn one of these chairs like am i really at the threshold of doubting myself right. to the degree of like if i don't turn a chair am i just not should i figure something else to do with my life you know right. uh it was just really really bizarre that i even let myself get there you know yeah um but um but once the chairs started to turn and 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 eventually as all four chairs were turned around it was it was about as dreamlike as it gets yeah i guess you know when you talk about chasing your dreams following your dream i mean it was dreamlike it was totally surreal totally bizarre and um i was awash with the the the, the notion that like all the prayers and all the well yeah. wishes and all of the fans and all of the, the the likes and shares and comments on social media over the years, like all of it, yeah, all of it, every ticket I ever sold to a show, every CD I ever signed for someone, all of it just like flooded over me, like, yes, right, this is this is what you should be doing, man, and and uh, enjoy this moment because you've earned it. If nothing else happens after this moment fine right but this moment is yours enjoy it so i think if you you know when people watch that that performance again you see it once all the chairs are turned i'm just like ear to ear right right <laughs> like, yeah grinning like a four you know five-year-old kid just like ah. right <laughs> you know it was it was pretty special and unforgettable for me and at most it was just like okay god i will never let myself get that nervous right again right, right. <laughs> no way right So you picked Adam. Was there ever a chance that you were going to pick Christina in any potential universe? Or is that something you were like, no, I think my styles would mesh better with Adam? 
I mean, it's 2020 hindsight kind of thing. Right. Um, it had had she had she been like, dude, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? Oh my god, this is awesome. You have to be on my team. Of course, you have to be on my team. Right. Are you nuts? Let's do this. Like, I can't wait for you to win this thing. Had she been like that, yeah, maybe, right, maybe. But the fact that she just, you know, they were all just kind of casually in, in in the race for it. Right. You know? Like, she was pretty pretty passive about right. her. Like, hey, nice nice job. Like, okay, I get it. Right. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, had she been the only one to pick me, of course, uh, there sure. you go. That would have been my state. My state would have been sealed. Right, uh, my fate would have been sealed. Right. But she, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't. Not just because of how things shaped out, right? Uh, sh- shaped out on, on the on the show, but just you know, um, stylistically, musically, we just kind of come from different different schools sure. in terms of approach to to music and all that. So right. I don't know that it would have been a good fit. Um, I don't know that I would have. She would have enjoyed working with me in terms of like what I could and couldn't do. Sure. Um, and and I I don't know that I would have been able to to deal with. <laughs> yep. No, I know what you mean. Team Extina, the Team Extina fandom thing. Right. It's a pretty interesting subset of the internet. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk through. Let's talk through a little bit of that in the sense that so you you go through the battle rounds, you make it through singing beautiful day, and you've got several performances, right? You've got Peter Gabriel's in your eyes and you do a badass rendition of Britney Spears one more time. And and you know, so you're you're building your case, you're going through this and Talk me through some of these song choices. Is this a collaborative effort with you and Adam? Is it, you know, obviously like the Baby One More Time, there's some ties there with Britney. And so walk me through the song choice, the different performances, the different rounds, and then also how much of the narrative that's been being driven outside of the show, right, for the show, um, is kind of how are you coping with that? How are you dealing with that? And then how much of that is seeping into the show itself? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no. I mean, it's all... It, reality is a loose term, you know, in reality TV. <laughs> sure. And I think everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, um, the In Your Eyes thing was not my first choice. I love that song. Like, everybody who's ever heard that song right. loves that song. Right. Like, anybody who's ever seen... You know the the the, ja- the John Cusack movie. You know, say anything like it's epic, right? And for someone in my generation, you know what that song's all about, right? Um, <clears throat> it had kind of come available last minute, and so he, Adam was like, "We have to do it," and you know, we have to do it. I'm like, "Man, I I want to do it. I just it's not my first pick. I never cover it because it's just one of those songs you just don't touch unless you can kill it. And I just have never been able to kill it, so I just don't touch it." And he he insisted, and I was like, "Well, all right, let's work through it. It'd be a great song. Let's see what happens." And so we we chose that one, and it was okay. I think it was okay. My performance on it was okay. It right. was just just got passed, you know. Just, just it was, yeah, uh, not one of my more fond recollections of sure. the show at all. But um, but after that, that 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 sort of initiated the discussion with. Christina and started the tit for tat with her kind of being like look man you kind of bore me I think you're one dimensional there's better singers and you got Justin Timberlake tweeting on your behalf and I think that's horseshit and I don't dig that right. and I think this show needs to be about something different and 
Okay, fair point. She's not wrong sure. in terms of like the celebrity sway thing. The, the producers were going to have to figure out how to contend with that, and I, I was the guinea pig there. And right. Justin Timberlake was a, <laughs> a you know an unbeknownst, uh, unwitting uh, accomplice to right. the whole <laughs> fiasco. Um, but it, it happened, you know, and uh, so but she she got kind of nasty, and you know, and I was like, did I miss something? Did I? Right. Is there something that happened back on Mouse Club that I right. that I have a blind spot <laughs> that I, I forgot? Did I eat her know? sandwich like, one day? What I, happened? I, I, I yeah, I even <laughs> asked Justin, and I'm like, dude, if I if, did I miss something? Like, what is this about? And he had his theories, and I whatever, right? Um, but you know, so then at that point though, it was then it became instantly about Adam versus Christina and Adam's contestants versus her contestants. Right. It got a little ugly. It got really ugly, you know. Right. And so um, we had I got voted through the first live round, and then you know it, we had to do something drastic and dramatic to follow that up and to let her know that I a wasn't one dimensional. Right. I wanted to do an old Stevie Wonder song from a, a Spike Lee movie just sit down at the piano and bang it out mm. solo piano and the producers and Adam and everyone were like look dude an obscure cover song is a one way ticket home it's just not what you want to do trust yeah. me and they, and they said and this is this is as true as it gets for that show people are as are as apt if not more apt to vote for a song than they are a performance or a singer that's true yeah pick the right pick the right song and you're gonna get an inherent number of votes just because you had the audacity to cover something that people love and they just love the song they want to hear the song succeed they want to hear you succeed right okay so then the discussion about the britney thing came about and i had told adam early on i want to take a a super pop song and put a twist on it. Yeah. Like, you know, I said, like the way Travis covered Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know? But something wasn't right here. Oh, baby, baby, I should big fan of a band called Travis and they did this really cool version of it and pointed out that it's a pretty cool song well somewhere along the way that got lost in translation that I wanted to cover Britney Spears at me baby one more time and I did not <laughs> uh, and Adam Adam you know had, uh, had come to Jesus kind of sit down and, and talk to me about like listen dude uh, you know anyone in this contest could try to cover that song right now and it would fall flat on its face. But given the circumstances given the story given the backstory you've been dealing with this whole Miles Club Christina you know, Britney discussion your whole career, you get to face that demon. You get to take it to the altar and slay it. Right. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm not here to tell you that singing a Britney Spears song is the right call. I'm here to tell you it's the only call. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> top sell. <laughs> right. so, so I was like, okay, okay. So we just took it head on and got after it. And, you know, that song was like kryptonite to Christina. And I and I knew that because I had a front seat to when the whole thing went down. And Adam knew that. And the producers knew that. <clears throat> and so they, they really teed that one up. In fact, I think that's the first time that they really kept that from Christina and her camp. And that was the only time that... Uh, Carson had ever introduced a song without giving the title away. Oh, that's of the right. Song. That's right. Um, yeah, so that Christina would be totally in reality sense right. blindsided by my choice and totally thrown out of her chair by right. it. and it worked, you know. Yeah. Like everyone was like, Oh my god, no they did it. Right. No he did it. <laughs> and uh and it worked, you know, and Christina got all fired up and flared up.
But from that point on, she made a point to find out what song I was going to sing each week and had her talking <laughs> points prepared each week. And sure, uh, you know, it was it was tacky from there on in. <laughs> <laughs> well, walk me through now. Uh, you did very well. You placed third in the season overall. Um, and I want you to talk to me about <clears throat> uh, my fate. So that was top tier for me but my other favorite memory which is a song i listen to regularly is your cover of 99 problems of jay-z uh and <laughs> it's just like i just when i saw you pull out the bluegrass ensemble for that song i just lost my yeah. shit like literally lost mm-hmm. i was like this is the most badass thing i've seen bar none ever and so walk me through the decision to choose that song and then also what it felt like placing third what that meant and then what happened like immediately following the aftermath of the show as we start to wrap up this segment yeah no it was uh, it was all pretty crazy man i we were trying to figure out what song to close this thing with and we had no idea how how do we go do we steer away from this whole christina thing or do we just like beat it to a pulp and 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 adam called me you know late night after the 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 results round of the week before and he yeah i was at my hotel room and he called me he's there you buy your computer i'm like yeah he's okay get online google uh 99 problems hugo and i'm like okay 99 problems hugo and he says a youtube video is gonna pop up okay go ahead click on it all right cool i'm watching this video of this 99 problems by hugo and it's like the most coolest darkest awesome thing i've seen on youtube in a while and i was like man this is amazing if you haven't got problems i feel bad for your son i got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one But then I'm like, wait a minute, 99 problems with a bitch ain't one? What? Right. He says, you want to, do you want to do it? I'm like, what? <laughs> I could do this? He's like, yep. I said, I can do this. He says, yep. I said, I can say bitch. He goes, you can say bitch. What? <laughs> um, yeah. So I said, dude, we do this, man. That is just game over, man. Like, whether I win or not, like, this is checkmate man right <laughs> so, so we went with it uh there was a long drawn out sort of uh story that might uh um uh, call my non-disclosure agreement into question no if i get nope. too far in the no, you're on it but like you know people wonder why didn't you say bitch on the telecast and i i was given plenty of reasons the night before the performance to not do that mm-hmm. but the 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 uh, the silver lining was is that I didn't have to uh, re-record the song to not include bitch. Right. Uh, so the recording that you get on iTunes says bitch, and right. it says it thirteen times if you're counting. <laughs> um, so, uh, but for the telecast, it was just like, listen, here's the deal: whoever wins this is gonna have to reprise it after mm. the show, and. Uh, Second time, let the devil change. It's a pile of flesh, but it's really a tough. 
see them. All right, let's talk to the coaches. We'll get to Adam last. Let's start with Blake Shelton. And I'm a little bit confused because I was met a what ain't one. A what ain't one? I, I didn't hear what you were saying. I, I, yeah. No, 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 no. I get, I get it. I get it. No, that was that was that was a lot of fun and and uh, what a really cool version of that song, by the way, man. Thanks, man. Christina. Kind of great. I mean, you have a really cool voice tonight. You came here, you know. I know your beautiful wife and your daughter and family are here tonight. And I just thought, you know, the lyrical connotation was a little derogatory towards women. But, you know, all in all, it was good fun. Thank you. CeeLo. <sighs> Tony Luca. <laughs> Let's see what your coach thought. Adam Levine, what'd you think of your finalist tonight? You know, I, I'm so proud of you, Tony. I think, first of all, just to clarify so you all know, the intent behind the song, we talked about this for hours, Tony and I, and, you know, the mm, ain't one is life getting at you, things bringing you down. You know, we're not referring to women, we're referring to everything. If you're having girl problems. Yeah, so well, it it's, a, it's, a, it's called a metaphor. <laughs> So, I 
that's think how you have to get points. I think you did a fantastic job. I just want to say I love you, Christina. I thought you did an amazing job. Yes, I do I do believe in you. I love you. And bravo, my friend. Bravo. <laughs> well, there you go. If you think Tony should be the winner of The Voice, then vote. Call toll yeah. And this probably isn't going to be great if the winner is singing <laughs> Bitch. 99 Problems. Right. Clearly leveled at one of our celebrity coaches. So. Right. Um, so, yeah, and then the results kind of fly out the window in terms of record sales and all right. that. But, um, you know, um, it, 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 was, uh, it was what it was. It made it kind of uh, this big <laughs> debacle between Adam and, Adam and Christina. And, and uh, you know, Jermaine Paul won it, and, and it was cool. And I believe I Can Fly was super inspirational to right. round out this big, big season of the show to kind of send the show into high gear for seasons three and beyond. Right. And uh, it was what the it was what the show needed to kind of have at that moment. I don't think they needed to have me up there <laughs> calling Christina a bitch, right? Right. <laughs> you know, right. with confetti coming down, right. and that just that <laughs> I mean, that's not, a good point. That was not a good. That wouldn't have been a good call, right? Um, and, and I wouldn't have wanted to do that. It's kind of like careful what you wish for, because the next thing you know, you're going to be the one sitting there and like thinking that this was going to make you feel good, and then you're like. Damn it! This doesn't feel good at all. Right, exactly. Uh, so it it was what it was, man. And <clears throat> um, you know, uh, at, after that, it was like you know, Adam and I became fast friends, and and uh, and he said, "Listen, man, I don't know what's going to happen here for you with NBC and and Universal, but if if they decide to not move forward with you, I will sign you." And he was a man of his word and signed me, and I signed to Adam's label. Um, it kind of went as quickly as it came, just because. He was, it was a quick little startup oper, uh, operation that he had uh, where he had some ambitions going on. He was partnered with his, uh, with his manager, uh, Jordan Feldstein, who uh, uh, sadly has passed since, mm. but he, um, he was kind of the guy running the label and he had bigger ideas for the label and those came to fruition and all the little things that they were working on along the way had to be set aside and I was one of those little things but in the process I got to make a record with uh, Eric Ross who was a great producer who worked on uh, Little Voice with Sarah Bareilles yep. and he made Tori Amos records and a ton of great records um, so things were things were just fine for me after The Voice you know I got to open for Maroon 5 and Kelly Clarkson and um, and more importantly, I and mean, maybe we'll talk about this in the next segment, but, uh, you know, coming down to Nashville, things were wildly different. Right. Um, you know, doors were opening for me down here after that that wouldn't have been open otherwise, and it was not lost on me. Right. I, uh, I, I, danced through those doors <laughs> and I I made every last handshake I, I could and, uh, and and made a lot of uh, inroads here in Nashville that were mine for the taking after all that so um, yeah man no complaints if if that could sum it up I guess that's awesome well you're listening to After the Encore we'll be right back with more Tony Luca after this my heart was yours for the taking you tried to warn me, but I never saw the signs, and now I see them. 
flash before me frame by frame As if in slow motion you slip through my fingers Piece by each little piece you became The flame that burned like the notion I simply sat and watched it all go by Frame by Was that time you were so hellbent on not letting me drive myself back home? Welcome back to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I'm here with Tony Luca. And now, uh, I'm not just here, I'm right here to quote your most recent song. <laughs> ah, nice segue. You're getting good at this, dude. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but even before we get into that, you've left the voice. You're, you've moved to Nashville, and and I want to really look at what was the the drive and the reasoning to move to Nashville. I mean, everybody knows it's an eclectic mu- music scene, not just country, but just a real singer songwriter hotbed and you've got a lot of uh, different opportunities and I've had several musician friends that moved there recently as well but what was really bringing you and driving you to Nashville as opposed to going back to Michigan or staying in LA or anything like that what was that like for you uh yeah man I you know I um a, you know, a good friend of mine, he uh, his his dad was always giving him shit about, uh, you know, not getting to Nashville sooner because he's a great songwriter. And, and he, uh, his dad always said, listen, man, you want to teach snow skiing, you got to go where the snow is. <laughs> you want to write songs, you got to go where the songs are. Right. You got to go where the, where the writers are. You got to get your butt to Nashville. Right. And and I always got a kick out of that because I, I always knew uh, Nashville would, would, it was always on the horizon for me. Uh, just because, yeah, like even if the artist thing pans, doesn't pan out, I get old and I don't want to be on the road anymore, whatever. I, I always knew that I, I could continue to grow and flourish and, and become a, 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 a seasoned songwriter. <clears throat> and have a have have a have a you know a future or a career in writing songs whether for myself or for other people uh so i was always eager to get here and figure that out and feel that out the timing was was right with with this whole thing you know uh definitely doing the voice and getting the, the little shot in the arm from that and the vote of confidence from adam i felt like i could come down here and and really Make a name uh, and uh, meet meet the right people and get in the right room on the right day and write the right songs and uh, and that's what I've done. Really, no looking back since. Um, right. You know, things transition a little bit on the artist front. You know, you kind of uh, ride the wave of being from the voice for about <laughs> as long as you can and sure. You know, before you realize, like you're one of hundreds, if not thousands, now that yeah. are touting from the voice. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> right? Been, been a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of artists have come through there. You know, and so I, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't really play that card much anymore. I don't really have to. Um, fortunately, I had plenty of fans going into the voice, and and all of them, uh, I like to believe all of them, most of them have stayed with me through that. Obviously, picked up a, a lot of fans since that. Right. But. Um, you know, no regrets with regards to the voice. Uh, you know, uh, um, I'm glad I did it when I did it in the early days before uh, it just kind of became this 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 background thing that right. that is kind of always going on. You know, um, 
because it, 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 the people that do the show now have a lot of, have a, they, they got a, it's a lot harder to poke out from that show now than it sure. was when I was on it. And right. so I, I give them a lot of credit. I don't, I don't discredit anyone who's doing the show now or in seasons to come. It's just like, if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a play to be on the voice and break out of there, you got to be a purple cow. <laughs> you know, right. You got to have your hair yeah. on fire. You got to, right. you got to really come out screaming and get to get, to get some attention now because it's, it just, you know, it is kind of what it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's it's been a, a a cool growth thing for me. Um, I I feel like I had the acumen to do that show. Like I said, you know, I felt justified being on that show, having been through that that landscape as a kid. You know, big sound right. stages and stage managers and camera blocking and in ear monitors and right. you know screaming screaming fans that don't <laughs> even know who you are. Like all that stuff. I I, I grew up on that, man. I, yeah, and it, it felt familiar it felt like all right i i can hold my own here i'm certainly not the best singer in this contest but right but i can i can own it as though i am because i'm 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 one of the more seasoned performers and 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 i walked away from the voice feeling like if nothing else that i i, I really put myself back in touch with that that i've got you know the 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 world-class talent thing the the, the, the stage performer thing that uh that not everybody gets, and and I and I'm really grateful and, and blessed to to have that and have had that stage to really realize that once again, and um and it was uh you know it was a really cool life experience, man. That's just I love how being on the Mickey Mouse Club kind of really helped lay the foundation for something you didn't even know was going to happen later on so that you could kind of step into it, really absorb all of the experiences, and then that has transitioned to where it opened some doors and started some conversations for you in Nashville and has led you to where you are today with your career. And so I, I just, I love seeing how in our life, one thing sets us up for something later on down the road. And, and it's difficult oh, to, yeah. it's difficult to see that all the time. But I mean, it, when you get reflective, you can realize I was learning these skills at a time when I wasn't aware that I was learning them and now they're paying off and I'm not even having to think about it, you know, and, and, and it's helping me out now. Walk, yeah. walk me through. Cause it was a, a bit of a, a bit of a gap between when you were off of the voice and when you released your self-titled album in 2015. And was that the Kickstarter funded album? Yeah. Um, it was, it was interesting cause, uh, the show wrapped up in May uh of uh what would that have been 2012 yep yeah and you know at that point i hadn't been writing stuff because i didn't know what was going to happen had i won this thing i was going to have to go in the studio get in you know writing with other producers wouldn't have known what direction you know what kind of path musically creatively i was going to take uh, so I didn't I didn't spend my downtime on The Voice writing a ton of songs, you know. I was just keeping my head in the game of the contest. And so <clears throat> we came out of there with, like, having taken a serious detour, you know, a serious, like, time out from my indie artist trajectory. Um, got out there, and my first instinct was to get back on the road to go uh, basically, and I don't say victory lap, but go make the rounds to, um, 
see if I, you know, again, my whole goal of doing the voice was to, you know, make new fans and break past the, 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 the plateau, the ceiling that I had reached as right. an artist, as a live performer. I wanted to be selling more tickets when I got back to real life after the show. I wanted to be able to, to sell tickets and, and, and records and get back out there and add a few more zeros to each bottom line each night, you know, and, and, and really solidify the next five to 10 years of my, my career. Um, and so I, I we went out and, and toured thereafter, and you know I but I wasn't touring on a new album. I was touring right. on my past records, the ones from 2011 that I didn't get to tour on, right. and 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 songs from the uh, the voice that uh, you know people had never heard me play before, and now right. I had those to put into my repertoire. Right. So it was a really fun tour. I got out there and I I had. Um, other uh, performers from the show come open for me on different legs of the tour, which was super cool. People got to see me with other members from The Voice and awesome. have them come guest, you know, guest do, do some guest spots and stuff. It was really a really fun tour. We called it the uh, Chapter Two tour. You know, it was like okay, uh, everything up to The Voice was Chapter One, and now we're moving on, Chapter Two. And I had this baseball jersey. You know, jersey sleeve, long, you know, three quarter length sleeve yeah. shirt that had Luca with ninety nine on it, and people just and it said number ninety nine on the yeah. back of the jersey, and I couldn't sell enough of those, dude. They were, <laughs> it was crazy. They did just yeah, we closed the show out with ninety nine problems every night, and people lost their minds. It was just a ton of fun. But then it was like, okay, time to get back to work and make a record. So I wasn't going to be able to put something together in time to put it out before the fourth quarter of that year, which right. anyone in the record business knows you don't try to put a record out in the fourth quarter. It's just a competitive time in the record business. Usually all the big, bigger, you know, the bigger artists and major labels prioritize their bigger acts in the fourth quarter. Uh, so if you're just trying to break out as an artist, you don't do it in the fourth quarter. So we knew we weren't going to put anything out before then. So it was going to be 2013 before we, we made something happen. And I, so 2013, I spent going out to LA working with Adam and working on this EP that we were supposed to do. I revisited the, the, the voice on season four to premiere my single for that EP uh, went out on tour with him after that in, in 2014 to uh, um, or 2013 to, to play some shows with Maroon 5 and then the deal went away uh, after those tour dates the, the label dissolved and so shoot it was like I put this EP out and with the hopes of getting in and making a full length with Adam's label and that never happened so it was like literally back to the drawing board and and so i i kind of licked my wounds for a little while uh got on patreon uh yep. and and i don't know if you're familiar yep. with patreon but that instantly became a lifeline for me you know deal was gone prospects were gone <laughs> here i was in nashville like what do i do uh tapped into patreon and and got you know uh, my faith restored in my fan base and myself and my creative capacity to to create content and keep writing songs and making music that mattered and playing shows toured and played you know through 13 and 14 and started writing and working on uh that 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 full-length album again in 2014 and made the record that year um did the kickstarter campaign and then finally was able to put that record out in 2015 so yeah it 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 on paper it's one of the bigger gaps in my catalog <laughs> you know for sure yeah. but a lot went down in that time and uh i put out 
that uh, with the whole world watching pop EP on yep. on Adam's label, and then uh, but followed it up shortly thereafter with a solo acoustic EP called Drawing Board, right. and, uh, and be, before you know finally uh, uh, priming the pump for the full length. So yeah, yeah. And then you just released a, an album this last year in 2019, uh, the Ain't No Storm, with the, in my opinion, the hit single Frame by Frame. And so, you know, we've got, and and so you're, what is your, I guess maybe this is really what I want to ask instead of just going through the songs, but I want to ask, what has been your state of mind and your headspace from, now that you're in Nashville, you put out the album, and in between 2015 and 2019, are you in a good spot? Are you growing? Are you learning? What What is the day to day of Tony Luca look like during this time period? Yeah, man, it's 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 really been a wonderful growing season for me. It's been uh, I, I've I've zeroed in on the on the writing game, you know, here in Nashville, and I've spent most of my days becoming a a a, a a proud member of the writing community down here and trying to make inroads and relationships with people. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it's after the self-titled record, I toured for about a, a year, almost a year and a half on that record, really trying to get it to, to go. Thought I had made the record, you know, that's why it was self-titled. I thought, right. like, this is it. This is the one. Right. And then, it, you know, another record kind of comes and goes. And so it was... There was, that was a heartbreak after that record, yeah. you know. I was like, man, I just I'm in no hurry to get back in the studio to make another thing and right. just express, you know. It just it starts to feel so egocentric after a while and so self-important. And I just at the same time, I I I really dig in the writing thing. I'm really liking writing outside of my own narrative and writing right. for other artists and writing, you know, helping younger artists develop their narrative. And, um, and, and so that's what I really started doing kind of full stop. Um, and it wasn't until I had another batch of songs that I felt compelled to put together and call it my own again. You know, like I was in no hurry to make ain't no storm by any means. I just right. was like, really like, I don't know if I'm going to make another record for a long time. <laughs> and right. then I would, you know, I would catch myself like grabbing the guitar and just sitting down in an empty room by myself playing this batch of songs because I had to, because I just, I was feeling it. I want to, I want to play these songs. I want to sing these songs. I don't want anyone else to sing these songs. Right. So I, I, you know, figured it out how to get back in the studio and make another record and had a lot of fun making that one. And, and it was kind of my Nashville record. I worked with Nashville, a producer and, 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 you know, musicians and, and really enjoyed making a record here as a as a full blown member of the community right. after being down here for a handful of years. And so um so I'm proud of that record for that, you know. Uh it, it was an interesting kind of musical choice for me. It yeah. got it got a lot of eyes on it in terms of like the critics and reviews and things and so that was cool, but it was far away from the the mainstream thing that I was gunning for on the heels of the voice and so so uh, you know it, that it's just another record they all kind of have their own lives they're just like some of your kids are high strung some of them are really chill <laughs> <laughs> I know and all Angel about Storm that was pretty yeah <laughs> Angel Storm was pretty chill and 
I, I, I like the chill kids. <laughs> As do I. As do I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I shouldn't say I love I love them all. But yes, I, no, I hear I you. Can appreci- I can, can appreciate the chill kids <laughs> most days. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> all right. Well, as we're as we're starting to kind of head towards the end, I really want to dig into. Uh, you know, uh, you just released a single right at the tail end of 2019, right here. And that was a, a yeah. song that was, you co-wrote that song, correct? Yeah, that was one of these tunes, again, that was uh, was slated for Ain't No Storm. It was, uh, not a slated, it was a contender for that record. Sure. And uh, and I thought it would have been a nice song on that record. Uh, it was intended for uh, my side project, TFDI, with Jay Nash and Matt Duke. I really wanted us to do a version of that. But uh, we had kind of taken another hiatus from making records together. And uh, it didn't look like I was going to get in the studio with them anytime soon to, to put that one down. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, sorry, guys, i got to record this one. Right. So I, I put it on my own record, did my own harmonies, whatever. Right, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was one of five songs that were off of uh, you know the list of songs that might have made the Ain't No Storm full length, but just for whatever reason didn't. And I decided to do like a solo acoustic version of of these five songs, and that was the first one to kick off the the uh, the season uh, of of uh, I'm releasing this EP one single at a time just because that seems to be how people are ingesting music anymore on That's Spotify. True. And, yeah. um, and, I, and I like that. I like giving people something every, you know, once every few weeks. You just give them something, you promote it, you ride the algorithms of social media to promote it, and, right. and you see what sticks. I like it. So what's on the horizon uh, for Tony Luca? Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, uh, I'm really kind of enjoying a, a new stage of the game like I, I'm doing uh, you know gonna continue to put music out you know even if it's just the the solo acoustic thing I, I enjoy that I may uh, you know get to where I've got a batch of songs that feel like I need to get a band together my son's playing drums now and that's awesome he's really good he's really good so we're jamming a lot together I'm helping him and his band put some stuff together and um, I, I may just feel like you know what I'm gonna get a band of kids together and make a rock record that's <laughs> awesome it's like school <laughs> of rock see what yeah. happens man <laughs> yeah. yeah totally <laughs> he, I mean, he played the Ryman last night with school of rock oh that's nuts. awesome <laughs> uh, totally nuts I'm not jealous at all uh <laughs> But uh, but yeah, man. I, I this this EP is going to be coming out uh, a song every few weeks right, through this through the spring, uh, twenty twenty. I'm uh, I'm doing all of my touring this year under the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the the concept of twenty twenty by request. Uh, I like it. It's the twenty twenty by request retrospective. I figured I'd take advantage of the whole hindsight twenty twenty thing and you got to and just look at the whole catalog and get my my fans to engage through social media and request songs for these shows and uh and blow the dust off of all the songs from the 20 plus year catalog and and uh and revisit them and and, and get them back up on their feet and get out there and, and play you know all the classics right <laughs> the greatest Definitely. hits right. for the fans and uh, and see you know like see if that's what people have been wanting to hear all these years and see if i can get people back up off the couch to come on out and hear some live music in 2020 absolutely play the songs that that, that they requested to hear and uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. That'll That's be awesome. nostalgic and, 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 and a good time. Um, but I've been uh, been exploring the whole um, 
public speaking thing and uh, putting together a podcast to, to support that and, and uh, uh, been working on an outline for a book and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Trying to uh, take 20, 30 years of experience and instead of like you know, seeking selfish, uh, egocentric gains, trying to find a way to, to be of service with it all, you know, and, right. and how can I... Uh, channel that that experience into something that is more helpful to younger emerging aspiring artists and career professionals that want to you know get get their game together and and uh, you know um, not that people are going to aspire to reach the level of success that I have but definitely will benefit from hearing what it is I have to share with them because I've seen quite a bit and uh, and I'm 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 grateful to be in a position to kind of share that, and I've had some uh, some encouragement and 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 little cool strides with that. So uh, hopefully there's more of that, like public speaking and going to visit colleges and schools and talking to kids that are interested in getting some straight talk. <laughs> right. Well, I know that we had the piece of advice you would appreciate uh, giving out, which is the have somebody in your life that can give you the critical feedback. Uh, right here at the end of it, one quick last piece of advice or mantra that you have for yourself that you want to impart on the listeners. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, um, I, I would I would say um, stay informed. You know, there's just it, 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 and and that seems obvious in this information age where like all you got to do is get on your Instagram or. Or, or Twitter or uh, a Facebook feed and and scroll through your little echo chamber of information and sponsored ads that sort of cater to what you're right. into but you know you got to get past that you got to dig a little deeper than that you got to go to the bookstore the used bookstore the you know you, you got to like find the podcasts that are gonna help inform you and like like this one man I mean this this is a great conversation for anyone like contemplating doing the voice this right. is a cool conversation for anyone who's thinking about throwing in the towel on their career and wondering what's next right i mean this is these are the conversations man the the, the enlightened talk that i think young young people and young listeners and uh that should, should be tuning into um you know don't don't hesitate to to dig a little deeper to to stay up a little later to <laughs> explore a little further yeah um and and really, you know, um, for artists, man, I think it's all about narrative. You know, like find find your narrative. And when I say narrative, if I say what's Taylor Swift's narrative, you can sum that up in an elevator pitch. You know, you can tell right. me what a Taylor Swift song is going to be about. Like, right. what's what's a Katy Perry song about? What's a Childish Gambino song about? What is a what's a Snoop Dogg song about? You know, they have their narrative. What's Kid right. Rock all about? Right. Well, you know, I don't know, but I know. You right. Know when you see it. <laughs> you know, right. it's like yes. it's like you you find that thing, and yep. and it doesn't mean it needs to be predictable and and cons painfully consistent, but right. like. Whittle, whittle out what you're not right and, and, and that makes it easy to like really dig into what you are and and write about that sing about that represent that talk about that at length you know be prepared to sit and talk at length from the heart about who you are skip what you aren't you know yep and i think the sooner people can get to that the 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 the, the more streamlined their their efforts are going to be and and uh minimizes a lot of headache and hassle and confusion and static i love it well if people want to follow you and see what you're up to what's the best way for them to do that 
TonyLuca.com. Tony, L-U-C-C-A dot com. Uh, my website is legal now. It's 22 years old. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's going to be 22 years old next right. month. My God. Uh, I got my own domain for two decades now, right. uh, which is crazy, which, is, which predates Google, folks, just right. in case you're keeping track at home. Um yeah, man, TonyLuka.com, and Perfect. you can get on the, uh, the the mailing list there is like where I give the best uh, straight dope. But uh, but Facebook slash TonyLuka uh, on Instagram and Twitter I'm Luca does because I try to be all third person clever about it. <laughs> like Luca does this, Luca does that, right. Luca doesn't mind this or that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cheap. I like but, it. Uh, that that's where I'm at, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Instagram's kind of where I'm. Instagram stories has become pretty effective for like promoting stuff and sharing stuff and being silly about stuff. And sure, uh, I've, I've been been enjoying using that that platform, but I do a lot of Facebook Live stuff, and um, and so yeah, I'm out there. I'm hard to miss if you're sniffing around. <laughs> I like it. Very nice. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Such a pleasure, brother. Thank you. No problem. And here to play us out one last time is Tony Luca. If I was a soldier like my grandpa Riding home in 42 Will you get laid like my grandma saying I was wishing wishing I was here with you if I was a sailor on the ocean caught in a storm I might not make it through every prayer I'd send to heaven Say I was wishing, wishing I was here with you. Here, where the pillow meets your head, all my crazy thoughts get said out loud. You hear them out and love me anyway. Here, where you're never out of reach, all your kisses make my each and every worry. Right here If I was a star Up in the night sky And I had the means To make wishes come true It might sound selfish But I grant my And I'd be sitting Sitting right here My crazy thoughts get said out loud You hear them out and love me anyway Here, where you're never out of reach All your kisses make my each And every worry disappear Right here
right here If I lost a million dollars Straight down to my last time Well, I'd trade it for ten pennies And go well wishing Wishing I was here with you Wishing, wishing I was here with you Wishing, wishing I was here Right here 